0: Martin Truex Jr. cruising to his 28th career wing in the NASCAR Cup Series. Truex wins Phoenix. And that ties him for 28th on the all time list with Carl Edwards and 1960 champion Rex White. Chief James Small is fired up for that win. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And happy St. Patrick's Day to you and yours. We're recording this on St. Patrick's Day, hoping to get a little bit of luck coming our way. We will touch on luck and that in just a second here. But on this episode, we are going to start by recapping Phoenix. Talk about how the podcast did with our bets and any takeaways that we saw coming out of that race. And then we will quickly pivot, because of spoiler alert, how we did in that race, to Atlanta. That's where we're going to be spending most of this episode talking about. We're going to start with a little bit of track stats and then go ahead and get to talking about winners, who we like and why. Top 10s, head-to-heads, all the stuff that we usually talk about. It's coming your way, talking about Atlanta Motor Speedway. And then, at the end, I kind of teased this last week a little bit, but I've got a Phil's Fired Up section for you. This is really going to be about how to go ahead and add bets or available bets to the sports book of your choice. So I'm going to tell you about a little bit of a journey that I went on over the past kind of week and a half here. So that'll be at the end in Phil's Fired Up. So stay tuned for that. So let's talk Phoenix. Now, when St. Patrick's Day falls on a Wednesday, I know that my group of friends always starts to talk about, okay, well, what day are you going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, right? Because, I mean, obviously you celebrate on the 17th. But as far as the Saturday is concerned, What day is everybody getting hammered? Is it the Saturday before or is it the Saturday after? Well, in the gambling world, I feel the same thing. What weekend am I getting the luck of the Irish? And I can tell you with certainty that it was not last weekend in Phoenix. We were ice cold in the desert. Not great. And part of that was because just Truex came out of nowhere here. I mean, he wins his first race of the year, and it was his first race... In a long time, he snapped a, a winless streak going into about 20 plus races, and it was his first time ever winning in Phoenix. I mean, I don't consider Truex a, what I like to joke around and call, wonky winners. I don't consider him a wonky winner, but when you're looking at Phoenix, I would say that he does kind of jump out at you. I mean, we, he was not on our radar last week when we were talking about picks to win the race or... You know, anything for that matter, head-to-heads. We didn't call him out in anything there. And he really showed a lot of strength. I mean, I can remember in that third stage, he was maybe about fifth or sixth. And I remember Logano or somebody was up front. And Jeff Gordon says, wait a second, guys. Truex is, he's coming. And boy, did he. I mean, he really showed that he was the car to beat. And really, great for them really good to see. It's just so funny how everybody has recency bias in NASCAR, because just a week ago, he wasn't really a blip on the radar. And now people are saying, well, you know, Truex is back. He could, you know, go to the championship for what happens, you know, come November when they're back at the same racetrack. It's just so funny because he wasn't really the Truex of old. And now the sudden boom, he's back. So we'll have to keep track of him. But with that, I mean, uh, the closest guy we called out to win the race was Hamlin. He finished third. It's another one of these races where if we ended the race after stage one, our podcast bets would have been crushing it. Like we would have made a lot of money. But of course, uh, even though I was you know, calling it in, NASCAR still has to run the full race, unfortunately for us. But When you're not hitting winners, you need to do other things. And we had top 10s picked out. Now, I think we knew that they were a little bit risky. We had Tyler Reddick and Cole Custer. And and towards the beginning of the race, they were doing okay. Tyler Reddick really let us down. Uh, I think we expected a lot out of him. Had him in a daily fantasy lineup as well. And he just really did not perform like we thought. I think he got in a little bit of trouble there, which didn't help. But in any case, our head-to-heads missed. And then even a throw-in, when we talked, think about it, it Eric Amarola coming from the back there. He was like plus 175. I had that in my personal bets, even though we just briefly discussed it on the podcast. I threw that in and he finished 11th. So I couldn't even cash in on that ticket. But the one place we still are thriving is head to head matchups. The three that we called out in detail were two and one last week. So we have that to kind of, you know, hang our hat on and say we're still doing well in that category. But for the most part, it didn't feel good, uh, not hitting the top 10 and just missing the winners yet again. It's really tough. So we are ice cold. Phoenix, you know, looking at it from a, a non-gambler perspective, just looking at what we're seeing there. I mean, we had Harvick to win the race and Stuart Haas. I mentioned Almarola driving kind of from the back to 11th. Still not cracking that top 10. Custer was not good. Briscoe was okay, you know, mid-pack pretty much the whole race. And Harvick kind of defaults into a top 10 at this point. They're not showing speed, and I think that's the biggest takeaway. The other, They are losing ground on these other teams, so we're going to talk about that a little bit in this podcast when we're making our picks, Stuart Haas. So I think this is a, a big race upcoming when we go to Atlanta to see specifically how those four drivers do for that stable, because it's not like what we're used to. So that's really the biggest takeaway that I have from Phoenix, the Truex win, snapping that you know streak that was on, getting off the schneid, as they call it. And um, yeah, trying to put that in the rear view mirror for us, because we want to get out of Phoenix and let's go somewhere else. So Let's talk about Atlanta, and it's another intermediate track, mile and a half. Some people hear Atlanta, and they think boring. Other people get super excited for it because they know that the drivers still really like this track. This is a racetrack that they tried to repave a few years ago, and the drivers threw a hissy fit, you might remember, and they were able to, you know, this was kind of led by Dale Jr., I think, um, in the media uh basically saying don't do this and they listen to the drivers because the drivers enjoy the bumpiness of the racetrack the fact that it you know they can find places to go all over the track as opposed to a freshly paved racetrack it's going to take a little while to get back and atlanta might not recover from something like that as far as the quality of racing so we're trying to hold off as long as possible so this is a place that really stands out to me is like hey We really love to bet on this race because it keeps it interesting for those out there who think it might get a little bit boring. Looking at the track stats like we do every week, 113 races here, lifetime in this series. That was a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't really realize how many times they've been coming here, but they started, they switched it up. They had two races for a while. That's probably how they racked up so many races. And then this past decade, they switched it down to one race per year and that made it so that when we're looking at these numbers that we're about to get into it's actually kind of rare to find a driver in the field this year that has run this race 10 times i typically use the last 10 races as a barometer but it's kind of tough even the the big names out there haven't seen this track 10 times so that's something to consider you know is experience at a track like this important to you if you're going to be placing a bet on someone i don't know but in 113 races the winner has started on the pole 14 times. That seems like a lot, but when you're digging back through the data there, a lot of those wins from the pole came early on in, you know, times where not really that close to modern time at all. The last time it happened to kind of prove that point was 2006. My boy Casey Kane, he was my favorite, just a side note here. He was my favorite driver for a really long time, Casey Kane. And uh, so it's just funny to see his name pop up here in Atlanta a few different times when you're going through the numbers. 2006 was the last time winners started on the poll. Starting in the top five, it happens 54% of the time. And starting in the top 10, it's 78% of the time. So that's going to be a big factor, I think, starting position. If you got a guy starting in the top 10, it's a really good spot to be in, clearly. Starting outside the top 20, it's pretty rare on the eight times History in this racetrack, Jimmy Johnson was the last time to do it. He started 32nd in 2015. Now, I know we typically like to look at some patterns or see where things stand as far as the manufacturer is concerned. And there is a small pattern here when you're looking at the manufacturer. So if you go back nine races, you got two wins for Toyota, then three in a row from Chevy, then four in a row from Ford. So since there's only three manufacturers, you'd probably say, all right, well, the pattern's going to reset and go back to Toyota. So two, three, four, go back to two, it'd be Toyota. So if you're into patterns like that, that's uh, something to consider. We will be calling out one of each, actually. I'm just realizing this now when we get to our winners in just a second there. So kind of an interesting tidbit. I mean, I don't think that pattern really means too much. It's just kind of funny to see if that's going to play out this weekend. So, one last thing to think about, though, when we're talking about Atlanta, and that is rain. I don't know what the weather's going to be like this weekend, but this is a track, because of the no repave, if there's rain, we could be in for a long weekend because of the weepers. They get through, and it makes it really tough for the track people to dry the racetrack and get us back going green again. So, you're going to pray for no rain this weekend if you want to see a race on Sunday. And I know that with Bristol coming up next, the dirt race, a lot of people are hoping that they can get this race just in and out and focus on the dirt race next weekend. So let's talk about strategy. My strategy this weekend, I'm going to try to avoid the big-time favorites when I'm talking about odds to win the race. I'm looking for kind of just beyond that initial group and get some good, solid drivers with really solid odds. Because if you're looking at the history so far in 2021, there have been guys, nobody really from up top of the odds list has won. I mean, even Truex last weekend wasn't at the top of the odds list. So looking at it from that perspective, you're kind of ruling out Truex again. I mean, I know my situation is back-to-back winners. I try to avoid him. He's one of the favorites right now. The favorite is Harvick, starting at plus 500 on DraftKings right now. Then Truex and Larson to 600 and plus 650. So I'm going to avoid those guys. I'm going to jump to the next level of guys when we're looking at the odds list. So let's just get right down to it and start with my first guy. This is my guy at Atlanta. It's Brad Keselowski. Plus 750. For this dude and I don't think that the odds here really match I think Brad should be further up but we'll talk about why we could first start by saying that Penske without a win so far this year has been very solid like very very good compared to the other teams even though you got Gibbs with a win and Hendrick with a couple wins Penske's right there with them they just don't have that win to show for it Brad has been you know neck and neck with Joey for the leader of that group And it just seems like he's more consistent as this year has gone by. That's just a a gut thing. I don't know if the stats reflect that. But I just feel, even though Lugano finished second last weekend, I feel like Brad has been that leader. So now we're talking Atlanta. And you dig into the stats here in his last 10 races. Now, he is a guy who has been here 10 times, which is good. 10 races, 2 wins, 4 top 5s, 8 top 10s. His average finish is 11.4 in that time span, which is good enough for sixth on the circuit. His driver rating, though, stands out to you for his career. He's second on the circuit, 96.9. So the thing is, in the last three races, his driver rating is third. So it's still really solid. He got people, you know, these newer guys that he's been racing against, the guys he's going to be racing against on Sunday, Well, in the last three races, it's that same group and his driver earnings right there. So he's not dropping off at all. His wins have come in 2019 and 2017. So in the last four races, it's either been Harvick or Kozlowski. And we said Harvick's the odds-on favorite to win the race. Meanwhile, Kozlowski is like four or five guys down the list at plus 750. Let's get a little bit of a value pick here. If you're choosing between those two guys, it just doesn't really make sense here. Now, if his car was running in all 10 of the last 10 races, he would have a, a top 10 in every race because he had a crash and an engine failure. He's just been great in this time span at Atlanta. It just seems like a place that he likes to be at. Now, if we're talking about intermediate tracks, because mile and a half track, and we heard Jordan last week talk about how he likes to compare tracks and how they're similar and how guys do it at various places that match up. Well, intermediate tracks, he's got five wins since the 2018 season started on intermediate tracks. That's tied for second out of everyone in the circuit. So I would expect, like I said, to start this, he would be down around that plus 600 mark, plus 550 mark right around Harvick, because these stats say that he should be. But it's just not sticking out right now. I mean, last year in 2020, he had the eighth fastest Green flag lap, if you're just looking for just an exclamation point on top. He's starting fourth. So we talked about the stats from the top five and the top ten. It's right where you want to be. Like, he doesn't have the pressure starting up front on the pole like he did last week. Starting fourth, going to wait in the wings a little bit, wait in the weeds like a snake, and then jump out and and be that guy. So, hey, if you're going back and forth between him and Harvick because they have rotated, it's Brad's turn. So lock it in, plus 750 for the two car, back Kozlowski. Now we're going to move on to a Chevy driver, and well, I'll just say it, Chase Elliott, plus 800. That's who we're talking about right now. He's only been here five times. His average finish is 10.0, but that's good enough for fifth out of everyone, and his driver rating is seventh, 93.1. So I hear what you're probably thinking right now. Those aren't world-beating numbers. And I agree with you. His last five races, one, or sorry, his only five races, one top five, four top tens. His best finish came in 2017 with a fifth place. So like I was saying, I mean, these are not stats that you're kind of shouting from the mountaintops, that you're writing home about. But look how 2021 has unfolded. None of the guys that have won the race, you could say, were perfect with great stats and everything like we just kind of ripped out about Kozlowski everybody that's won a race so far hasn't been the guy who's been perfect on paper and chase is not perfect on paper but he stacks up to be the type of person that could go out and snag a win here in 2021 he had the fourth fastest green flag lap he had a very fast car he ended up finishing eighth now he's starting fifth right behind Kozlowski so he could put something together and be there in the end The odds stand out to you here for Chase at plus 800. I mean, you don't really see that. You haven't seen it really at all so far this year. It's kind of the longest odds we've seen for him. So that got my attention. Then you think about the fact that he's from Georgia. It's Georgia's only track on the circuit. Do you consider this a home track? I don't know. But think about the optics here. He's the past champion They're going to Atlanta, probably have a ton of Chase Elliott fans that are in that area who finally get a chance to go back to the racetrack, right? They're going to have fans. So big, if there's a possibility for drivers to get like adrenaline off of the the stands or off the fans, just leading up to the race, at least this is that opportunity for Chase. So got a lot of people probably pulling for him in those grandstands. Plus 800, solid value. And then you just take in consideration Hendrick. I'm not one that's willing to say like Hendrick Motorsports is dominant this year because they have two wins. But you can't argue that they haven't been fast. So Chase, he's the leader of that stable. No question about it. I think this would be a good opportunity for them to snag a victory here and really maybe kind of prove me wrong and say, no, Hendrick is the team this year. So lock it in at that value, plus 800, the nine car, Chase Elliott. Now let me put my used car salesman hat on for just one second and say to you, what if I could tell you I could get you a past series champion, a guy who has won here in the past, phenomenal stats, I could get you this dude for plus 1,000 would you take it? The name is Kyle Busch, and those are his odds. 10 to 1 stands out to me, the 18 car. He's a conundrum. I, there's no getting around it, okay? Just like last year, it's it really is kind of eerie how, you know, last year he just kept going and going and going without winning a race, and every weekend we were talking about on the podcast, but all the talking heads were too, like, when is it going to happen? Finally did it, Texas, but This kind of feels similar, but I have a hard time laying off Kyle in this situation with these odds. They're just too attractive. So when you look at it, the last 10 races, one win, three top five, six top tens. His win came all the way back in 2013. So you say to yourself, Phil, get out of here with that deal. But I could tell you that this guy, Kyle Busch, finished second in 2020. So there's just been a lot happening in between between 2013 and 2020. His average finish is 8.9 in that time span. That's good enough for fourth on the circuit. His drive rating is sixth, 94.0. And in 2020, he had the third fastest green flag lap. So he hasn't won in a little bit, but we just saw Truex snap a cold streak. He, he never won in Phoenix, snapped a cold streak over the last 20 races or so and now all of a sudden people are saying, well, Truex is back, right? That same thing kind of seems like it could happen for Kyle. Pretty soon, I'm going to have to quit him. It's going to take you know a little bit more, but I'm going to have to eventually stop pulling the trigger on him to win the race, despite how great the odds may be. But for now, for this week, I'm still going with the 18 car. It just is too good for me. Intermediate tracks Since the start of 2018, he has the best average finish, 8.1. Five wins, which is tied with Kozlowski for second out of everyone. And the third best driver rating on intermediate tracks. It's just too good to resist. I mean, you try to convince yourself there's reasons not to take him. But then you just go back to that 10 to 1, that plus 1,000 number. And you're like, lock it in. So that's what I'm doing this week. Kyle Busch, plus 1,000. And just to recap the others, it's Brad Kozlowski plus 750 and Chase Elliott plus 800. Let's go. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. In the top 10 section this week, I'm kind of twisted up here, all right, because I love one of the picks. But after that, I hate everything. It's a love-hate situation going on right now in the top 10. So let's start with what I love about it. And the name is Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch is going off at minus 115 to finish in the top 10. I absolutely can't get enough of that. I have to imagine that those odds are going to get shorter. I know that we typically look for longer odds in the top 10, but plus, or sorry, minus 115 is too good to resist. When I pulled up the odds, when they were released, I just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. I was like, no, I had to have missed them right? Where is he? And then all of a sudden I found him all the way down the list. The reason I'm all about it is because his numbers are really, really good here. All right. The books are not reflecting what his history has been at Atlanta. So he has five straight top 10 finishes. All right. We're not asking him to win the race, but by the way, if you did want him to win the race, super, super long shot plus 2,200, that would fit with the narrative of this year so far, I would say. I don't think Ganassi has enough speed right now to actually win the race, but I think they have enough speed to get Kurt, the one car, into the top 10. His average finish in the last 10 races, 6.9. That is good enough for second out of everyone going off on Sunday. That is insane to me. Now, I know a lot of people hate the average finish stat, so let's talk about other things. He has seven total top 10 finishes in that 10 race time span. His drive rating during that period is fourth out of everyone. Wild stuff. So why is he being ignored by the sports books? I guess it has something to do with the 2021 season so far, but even that he's not horrible. Like he's not outside the realm of possibility for getting a top 10 here. And on mile and a half racetracks, he also hasn't been very bad. He's, he's been right where you would expect Kurt Busch to be, that kind of top 10 area compared to everyone else for mile-and-a-half tracks since the start of the 2018 season. So I'm very pumped for this bet. I'm all over this bet. I can't get enough of it. And if you want to throw a little something extra on to Kurt this weekend, the sportsbooks have him going up against Alex Bowman. And Bowman, now, I was... against Bowman last weekend. It was a a Christopher Bell matchup, and we took Bell strictly because of how bad Bowman was at Phoenix. He's not very good at Atlanta either. His average finish is 21.0. That's one of the worst in the business out of everyone who's a current driver and a consistent driver. So I'm not sure it's going to continue. Like last weekend, we were ripping on him really hard, and he went out and he put a solid run together. Even though he got into the wall or, or got into it, with somebody early in the race, he was able to bounce back for that and finish like 12th or something at Phoenix. So I'm not saying that he's going to have another bad run at Atlanta, but I'm saying it hasn't been good in the past. So when you're taking a guy who has clearly been very good recently at Atlanta, taking on someone who just hasn't been able to put a race together, well, give me the one car over the 48. Kurt is three and oh, Versus Bowman in the last three weeks, or sorry, three races. So it just all points to Kurt Busch here. So that is what I love in the top 10 section. Kurt, minus 115, put it in and don't even look back. After that, it gets very strange for me because I love to take good value. I think Kurt, even at minus 115, is good value. Everyone else on the odds list, it's hard to look at the stats and picture somebody from far down the odds sheet sneaking their way into the top 10. It really is because I think you're going to see a lot of the big names starting to kind of filter to the top. The cream is going to rise, as they say, and the big names, because if you're looking at all the Gibbs cars, all the Hendrick cars, Penske cars, they're not giving you good value to finish in the top 10. So it's almost a no bet at this point. Now, if I had to choose someone, because that's why we're doing this, just to kind of generate some conversation, let me throw a couple random names out there to you, just to, to throw out there. Ryan Newman, okay? He and I have a, a checkered pass from last season. I, it took him a lot to finish in the top 10, and you really let me down. He's going off at plus 350 to finish in the top 10. I think those odds are probably legitimate, but let me try to make a small case here as to why that miracle might be able to happen. I mean, it's a total long shot, but in his last 10 races, he has three top 10s. Those top 10s came a little while back, 2013 to 2015. I believe he was running the 31 car at the time, but if you want to look more recently in the six car, he had two races. And he has finishes of 13th and 14th. So, obviously, not top tens, but putting you right there. I talk about a lot where you make this bet, it's really just trying to make it interesting for yourself. And I think recently, if people have made the bet on Ryan Newman to finish in the top 10 in Atlanta, with these odds, he's finishing right around 13th. That's going to give you something excited to cheer for there. So, Bad races before he got into the 31 car as well really, you know, kind of hindered his average finish and his numbers there. But let's take a look at this year at Homestead, a mile and a half racetrack, just like the one we're going to, finished seventh and he started 23rd. So I think a lot of people would look at Ryan Newman. And one of the reasons his odds are probably really long is because he's starting 28th, coming off a really bad finish in Phoenix. It did not go well for him last weekend. He did not have the luck of the Irish, that is for sure. But, you could argue, hey, it homestead he started way back in the pack, 23rd, and got a top 10 out of it. So again, trying to make a, a case for a long shot here at plus 350. I'm thinking that it can happen if you want to try to make a, a small buck there, throw something small on him. It could happen. The six car Ryan Newman at Fiend, or sorry, at Atlanta. Mark it in. Now, just two other guys to touch on real quick. Let's go back to the the other side of the coin, because I talked about, you know, if you're laying out what you think the top 10 is going to be, you're throwing a lot of the big names in there. And one of the bigger names, who I still think is a reasonable bet, minus 143 for Ryan Blaney. He's plus 1600 to win the race. Penske Speed, he's clearly, you know, struggling so far this year, but he's been a little bit better recently. Last week more of the same. He was up there leading some laps. And that's what you want to see if you're a fan of the 12 car. He finished fourth here last year, 12th in 2018. His average driver rating is 10th compared to everyone. And he's 10th in average finish, 16.2. So he's right around that mark. So not a sure thing. Minus 143 does make me a little queasy, but when you're saying that none of these like longer shot guys have a real chance, well, that means that the bigger names are going to be there. And if you want a bigger name for a decent value, Blaney is your guy. I mean, minus 143, it's safe enough because you're not going to go for any of the other big names like Larson or Truex or Harvick giving up minus 300, 375. No, that's Blasphemous. You're not going to do that because one blown tire and it's a completely you know down the drain. Blaney at that number I think is safe enough. I feel comfortable. He had he was sixth fastest green flag lap last year, so it's a little rich, but I think I'm willing to give it up if you're trying to make bets on the top ten because it really is hard this week. It really is. Last guy I'll just throw out there is a, a throw in here. Ricky Stenhouse. He's performing very well right now, very well. I was down on him last week. I really was. And he was running right there, right near the top 10 all race long. I was actually cheering against him because I had somebody else against him in a head-to-head. And I think that was the one that I lost last week. I don't remember who he was going up. It was actually Busher. And he just was right there, 12th, 11th, 10th. He was not able to have these guys shake him off. So Credit to them. I mean, they've had speed this year for being a lower budget team, JTG, Doherty Racing. That's always a mouthful for me for some reason. They've been pretty solid this year. So 15th in the 2020 race as far as fastest green flag lap. He's got one top 10 and eight starts. But take a look at some of these finishes recently. He had a couple 13s, a couple 16s, and he had a 10th at one point. So he's in around it. Solid runs. I think he's knocking at the door. He clearly is close enough at Atlanta to warrant the plus 275, throw a small amount of money on it and see what sticks. So he's kind of a throw in Stenthouse because he's been performing well recently. I think it's worth it. So maybe not lock it in, but give it a strong look as Sunday comes up. As far as props, props, go at Atlanta. I haven't really seen anything catch my eye other than the over under which they have lowered yet again. So a couple weeks back it was 11.5, then it was 10.5, now it's 9.5. So we keep losing drivers, but I really don't think it's mattered, uh, at least it matters this week. So last week I went with the under, missed obviously with Truax being the 19 car. I'm going back to the well Plus 100, the under, I think you're getting a lot of good drivers in that realm, even though you're still losing a couple drivers from what we're used to seeing the over-under set to be. you got Kozlowski, you've got Harvick, you've got Larson, you've got Elliott, you've got Kurt Busch. I mean, you've got other guys who have potential to, to get the job done. So I like getting the value here at plus 100 instead of giving up. Minus 150-something, I believe it is, for the over. Obviously, you get more vehicles on the racetrack, which is a big advantage, but I think a lot of the heavy hitters are in that under 9.5 number. So lock me in there for this week's race. Dugan? Yeah. yeah. Can you send my baseball? Sure. There. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. Now it's time to take a look at the head-to-head matchups for this week's race. But before we do that, we are sponsored once again in this area by OddsLibrary.com. It's a great website if you have access to multiple sports books because they are going to do the hard work for you and let you know which sportsbook is giving the best odds for the type of bet you're trying to make. So if you're trying to take the Philadelphia Phillies money line, for example, maybe DraftKings is giving you as the gambler a better value. telling you that's where you want to take. So you're not going to just take a test on a whim. You're going to hit the library. And when you're gambling, you're going to want to hit the odds library. It's oddslibrary.com. And make sure you follow them on Instagram at oddslibrary. They are giving out some educational stuff on different promos that the sportsbooks are doing. So give them a follow there. So the head-to-head matchups this week, we first have to touch back on last week. Went two and one, and the throw in head to heads did not work out. So, we're not going to count those, but we do have to relive the guest pick, which was Blaney versus Byron, Jordan Maccabee, fantasyonlineracing.com. We asked him to choose kind of on the spot. He went with Blaney, which was looking good originally, and then Byron just kept on punching and ended up getting the victory there. So, Byron. Upsets our guest picker. We're going to keep track of that. I think we're 0-2 so far this year. Kind of like College Game Day keeps track of the guest pickers. Hopefully, we have some more guests on throughout the year where that becomes a thing. So I think we're 0-2. And I was riding with with both of those. Funny thing that I realized after the fact was Byron versus Blaney is just such a funny matchup that they put out there because I think Byron is dating Blaney's sister. So uh, a little brother-in-law action possibly at some point in the future for those guys. So it's just a funny matchup that the sportsbooks would put those guys together. In any case, Byron continues to just be the bane of my existence. I cannot figure out how to come down on the right side of that coin from week to week. So we'll talk about him at the very end, but we're going to talk about three matchups in depth, just like we normally do. And these are some good ones. I'll be honest. We haven't talked about these matchups at all so far this year. And we're going to start with Eric Almirola versus Austin Dillon. Very interesting matchup. Minus 115. Both of these guys, they're starting in the mid-teens. 13th for Dillon. Almirola starting 16th. Both are coming off of good races last week in Phoenix. So they're very similar. And I don't think Eric Almirola's team... If you were to tell them, you know, before Daytona started that somebody would be comparing them to Austin Dillon in a race matchup from a gambling standpoint and saying that this is a good matchup. I think the 10 car would have been pretty upset by that. But, hey, that's where we're at right now. So let's dive into the matchup here and looking at Austin Dillon first. He's been here eight times. He does not have a top 10 finish. That's interesting. Highest finish was 11th. He's done that twice, but he did it in 2020, just a year ago. His average finish is not good. 21.4, and that's among the worst in the circuit right now. So really bad average finish. His driver rating is 65.5. That's mid to back of the pack when you're looking at the guys who race every week. So Numbers on face value there for Austin Dillon really stand out to you and say, yikes, not really that good. His last three starts, his driver rating, if you, sorry, if you're just focusing on the last three instead of the full eight races he's been here, his driver rating does not really improve that much. He's actually kind of right on par there. But his average finish does jump up 15.3. That's about a six spot difference. It's a big move. So if you look at his time in in those last three races, he's finished from the spectrum of 11th to 21st. And I think that's really where you're going to be with Austin Dillon this year as well, right? In that area is where you'd probably expect him to finish. Now, looking at the 2021 season on the intermediate tracks, he's finished 12th in both spots, Homestead and Las Vegas, two 12th place finishes. So that's something to think about because you can look at the history all you want, but Let's put the lens on of the 2021 season, and it kind of changes it a little bit. So Eric Amarola, looking at his numbers in Atlanta, nine starts total, two top tens. His average finish is 16.9. His driver rating is one step above Austin Dillon. I kind of expected, when you see his average finish is 16.9, I kind of expected his average driver rating to be pretty high, but it's 69.3. It's one position up, like I said. Now, if you focus on his last three races, both his drive rating and average finish improved quite a bit. His best finish at Atlanta is eighth. So he had a couple top tens, but his best finish only eighth. If you look at the 2021 season, both Homestead and Las Vegas have been very bad finishes for Almirola, like 30th and back, I believe. And these are intermediate tracks, which is where we're headed this weekend. And it kind of just goes to the narrative that Stuart Haas is down right now. Now, Almirola coming off of a little bit of an uptick. He wanted a good finish. I think he did finish in a spot that was solid. He was able to race his way through the mess to get to where he finished, but still not where they want to be. I went into this matchup thinking that I was going to come out on the Eric Amarola side, but I've kind of talked myself into Austin Dillon, and here's why. I'm putting the 2021 season on the pedestal here. The fact that Dillon, surprisingly to me, has been in, you know, two 12th place positions at the end of the races for Homestead and Las Vegas, and the fact that Almirola has been so bad, I think this is really on him to prove that he can bounce back. And until that case, I'm going to go against them. So I'm going to go with AD on this one. And the three car minus 115 for Austin Dillon in that matchup. Bit of a surprise. I shocked myself in that one. So now we'll move on to two guys who I definitely have not talked a lot about. One of them, not at all. And the second one I've been avoiding. So Ross Chastain. The new driver of the 42, he's going up against Eric Jones, driving in a new ride this year himself, driving that 43 car for Richard Petty Motorsports. So solid matchup here because you got a guy who was an Eric Jones in a big time ride at Joe Gibbs, now kind of knocked down a little bit. And then you've got Ross Chastain, who's making the, the jump up from the lower series to a ride in Chip Ganassi, so you would probably say that they're pretty equal, I guess, especially the way Ganassi's been running so far this season. Ross Chastain, his stats at Los, or er, sorry, at Atlanta, really not worth looking at. He was driving the 15 car, two starts, lifetime 30 and 31st, so not good. But is it really worth looking at those numbers because he was driving that ship box in the 15? I, I don't think it really is. This year is really what you're looking at from Ross Chastain's perspective. If you're trying to get an edge on this matchup in some way, you have to look at 21. Not worth looking back at any of the past races here. So he's not blowing anybody's doors off this year either. So that 42 car really just hasn't had it going on. He finished seventh at Daytona, a really good start to the season, but that was by far the best he's had so far this year. Other than that finish, he's got the best finish he's had at Homestead, which was 17th, 23rd at Vegas. So we've been talking about the intermediate tracks. Those are the two numbers there for him. And it just kind of seems like he's got a 20th place car. It's kind of right in between those two, but that's where he seems to be riding most of the time this season. He had a really bad finish at the road course. We're throwing that out, We're basically throwing his time at Daytona out the window and looking at you know the other races. So 20th place is really where we're seeing Chastain riding around that back mid-pack type of deal. Now, let's look at Eric Jones before we really make a judgment call here. He's had four starts, all of them in the 20 car, which is a much better vehicle than he's in right now, but his stats are pretty solid, kind of what you'd expect in a young driver in a good car. Average finishes 15th, one top 10 in those four starts. He had a 7th, that was his top 10, and then just missed it, 11th place before that. He's been fighting all year since Daytona. He had a rough Daytona 500, and he's been trying really hard to get back into the swing of things and put the 43 car in a better position. So in the head-to-head matchup, when we're looking at these two, 2021, we're going to throw the Daytona 500 out the window. They're tied, 2-2. and So my pick is going to be Eric Jones in this matchup. He finished 10th this year at Las Vegas. I think that 43 car has more momentum right now than the 42 car does. I think they've got more positive things going on for them. Ganassi, even though we were all over the the Kurt Busch pick for the top 10 finish, I still think they're trying to find speed. And in this matchup just seems like Eric Jones is on the upswing. So I think they can build off of that Vegas finish, kind of figure out what they did there and and work off of that, lock it in the 43 car, Eric Jones over Chastain, minus 115. So now to finish off our picks, we've got a heavyweight matchup. That's right. I didn't advertise it. I should have a heavyweight bout to end the head-to-head section. And if you thought, I was going to go all episode when we're talking about Atlanta and not throw any sort of action down on Kevin Harvick. You're outside your mind. He's going up against Kyle Larson. Harvick, the favorite, minus 125 to Larson's minus 106. I can't not have action on Harvick in some way, shape, or form. It has nothing to do with Larson. Nothing against him. He's kind of just in the way at this point. Kevin Harvick. Let's take a look at some of these stats. All right. In his last 10 races, two wins, five top fives, nine top tens. We're not even asking him to win the race in this scenario. We're asking him to just beat Kyle Larson, nine top tens. His wins came more recently, as we talked a little bit about earlier last year and in 2018. He's average finish is 6.3. That's first compared to everyone. Driver rating 102.1. That's first. Compared to everyone, if you look at his last three races, his average finish is two, 2.0. His driver inning goes up, if you just look at his last three races, to 135.1. Okay, here's a mind numbing stat. In his last seven races, he, in six of them, has led at least 115 laps. And the outlier there, the one that he didn't, he led 45 laps. That's just wild. He's too good. It's, you know, his favorite. He's the favorite for the reason, plus 500, and that makes total sense. I'm a little queasy at taking him for the whim, just because about what we said about Stuart Haas, and, and he's kind of prove it. But in this head-to-head matchup, I think he really has the the ability to get this done here. Looking at Larson, though, if you are a Larson fan, and you're looking for reasons to take him in this matchup as the underdog, he has six starts, one top five, three top tens. His average finish is 13.8. That's eighth on the circuit. Driver rating is also eighth compared to everyone. He led 142 laps here in 2019, which is the last time he raced here because missed last year for obvious reasons. He finished 12th in that race. So he has the ability to lead laps. He could be up there. It's just he didn't parlay that uh, 142 laps led into a top 10, which is a little bit of a letdown you would say, but different team, different vehicle, the Hendrick speed, they already got a win. He's cruising right now. So maybe he's kind of just riding that momentum into a victory in this head to head matchup. I can't do it. I can't take Larson in this. I have to throw something down on Harvick because if he goes out and wins the race, I just need to know I have something for him other than the under prop bet. So lock me in Kevin Harvick minus 125. I love it. Now, didn't touch on a couple of the matchups here that they have out there available. Christopher Bell versus William Byron. I'm gonna not touch that one with a 10-foot pole. Cole Custer versus Ryan Newman and Tyler Reddick versus Matty D. Take a look at those, maybe put some out on Instagram at full tank fill as the weekend unfolds. But for now, the recap, Austin Dillon, minus 115, Eric Jones, minus 115, and Kevin Harvick. Minus 125. So we're going to end it this week with a Phil's Fired Up section. We haven't had one really of the negative sort so far this year, but I guess we're kind of due, right? I mean, eventually we had to get there. And it really stems from the fact that I'm just trying to call attention to stuff where we can make things better for gamblers of the sport at NASCAR. Because you look at the gambling world, there's commercials on every damn hour for sports books, new popping up left and right, and it's focusing on a lot of the other sports. NASCAR kind of gets neglected, which is understandable, right? But I think there's opportunity to make things better for NASCAR gamblers. So that's really the umbrella of the topic that we're starting with this week. And it stems from something I mentioned last week. We had our guy Phil reach out, said that he had a bet that he saw available called finish on the lead lap. Right. And I think that is such a cool bet. I, I harped on it last week. I'm, I'm doing it again. Well, that sent me into a bit of a investigation because I heard that that bet was available on Bet Rivers. So this, I'll call it investigation, is going to take me a few different places. And it starts with Bet Rivers. So I download the Bet Rivers app. I go and I wanted just to see what the odds were for the upcoming race for finishing on the lead lap. And I saw all the other bets, but I did not see lead lap finish bet. So I went to their customer service and I said, hey, what's the deal here? Why can't I see this bet? Because I know for a fact, I've got a, another guy who is able to see this bet. So something's off here. I'm not sure why. Do I need to sign up first before I see it? Because I had not signed up for BetRivers. And the response I got back was that bet is available in states like Virginia. And I believe he said Illinois, maybe, um, and Michigan. But it's not available in your state, in Pennsylvania. And that made me really pissed off. Like, why would the state of Pennsylvania restrict that? So then, just for the hell of it, because the sports book that I use most when it comes to gambling on NASCAR is DraftKings, because they put the odds out early, right? That's how I put this podcast together, try to get it out as early as possible so people can consume it as early as possible, give them a lot of time. And DraftKings gets their odds out for the head-to-head matchups and the props and everything out early, which is so awesome. So, I have bothered them a million different times for a million different things. I know how their customer service stuff is, so I just sent a basic message out there like, hey, how come we don't have this option? I know that there's another sports book out there that gives the option when you're betting on NASCAR to finish on the lead lap, for example. Why are we missing certain things? Why can't we see everything? The response I got from both BetRivers and DraftKings was that the state of Pennsylvania restricts those bets. It's a state regulation thing, and they kind of left it at that. So being that I'm already kind of annoyed, I wanted to take it to the next level. So I Googled the Pennsylvania Gaming Commission and tried to figure out a contact there. It took me a few different layers, but I finally got a hold of an email address, and I emailed them. And my question didn't start off specifically towards NASCAR, but it was really about how come there are certain things that are restricted on certain sports in the state of Pennsylvania. And if they are restricted, how do we get them unrestricted, right? Is there a process that takes place? So I got a guy from the Gaming Commission from Pennsylvania that actually emailed me back, which I thought was really cool. I did not expect that to be quite honest with you. I mean, it's a government situation and we know how things can go there. So I was blown away that I got an email back and they gave me a breakdown. They actually used Virginia in their explanation, uh, basically saying that, you know, certain states have certain regulations like Virginia. You're not allowed to bet on the college teams within your state for some reason. And Pennsylvania just has certain things because of all of the different events that are happening on time, blah, 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 blah. None of it meant anything to me because I wasn't clear enough about the specific example uh, in my first email. They also didn't give me, as nice as it was of them to respond, they didn't give me any clear path forward to try to change the law or change the regulation um, that they have in place. So I responded back very politely and I said, hey, look, blown away the email me back. I'm only going to bother you one more time but here is the specific scenario that I'm looking at. I bet on NASCAR and I know that in other states they have other betting options available to them. Why can't we in Pennsylvania see more options? For example, lead lap finish. Then the other question I asked him was, and if it is restricted, is there a form or something that I can fill out and try to you know, get that changed? how can I go ahead and make progress making it more fun to bet on NASCAR? This guy got back to me again. And he said, Phil, I took the time to look up NASCAR's betting options. And the state of Pennsylvania, quote, does not restrict any bets that are available out there at this time. So basically what he's saying is, and and he went on to say that a lot of times, Sports books don't represent the bets and they just give the blanket statement that it's a state regulation problem. And, you know, most people kind of give up. And that's the end of that. So this guy's basically telling me we have in the state of Pennsylvania, for, you know, I know that some people might be listening in different states, but I still think it's pertinent because you're interested in trying to bet. Different options, and you're reaching out to your sports book saying, Hey, how come I can't get this? And they're telling you it's a state regulation thing. It might not be because this guy's telling me that in the state of Pennsylvania, the full slate of available bets, whatever those are, like if there's 50 available bets, Pennsylvania allows 50 of them. So I also got a response in the sense of, How do I move it forward? He said, If there is something that is restricted, whether it's NASCAR or not, the way to go about getting it to show up is to go through the sports book. You can't really go through the state's gaming commission um, and try to make progress there. It's got to come from the sports books, which puts you in a little bit of a pickle as the gambler because you're being told by the sports books that this isn't available because of the state and the state saying, "Mm, no, it's not. So now I'm in a situation where, okay, I got some ammo and I went back to DraftKings because they're, like I said, my go-to. I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with them. BetRivers, I'm not even signed up, so I can't really bitch and moan because I'm not even a customer of them yet. So I reached out and I said, this is the situation. I want to bet on lead lap finishes in the state of Pennsylvania on NASCAR races. I talked to the state of Pennsylvania's gaming commission. They told me that there is no reason why they would restrict it. They said it's on the sports books. What do I need to do to make this happen? And would you believe that the state of Pennsylvania got back to me way sooner than DraftKings did? They actually ignored me for the past week. Today, Wednesday, St. Patrick's Day, they finally followed up and they gave me some information that I think could be useful for us as gamblers of NASCAR moving forward. So they said that everything in terms of bets or daily fantasy or casino games, all of those things are contingent upon their marketing and trading team. They're the ones who are able to add and remove certain bets on the website. So the process to get a new bet line added would be to submit a request to the marketing team via social media, and they can move forward with the process of approving or vetoing those betting lines. So what I'm hearing is that you're able to tweet them and try to submit bet lines that way. So whether we're talking about lead lap finishes in the state of Pennsylvania, or if you're in a different state and you don't have the ability to bet on XYZ, what we're trying to do here is make it known that the way to change the tides are to be more vocal about it. And I plan on, I haven't really utilized my full tank with Phil Twitter very much, but I'm going to start being more active there to be more of a pest and try to get the winds of change to happen a little bit. And I'm going to start with the DraftKings sports book in Pennsylvania about the lead lap finish lines. But if you are out there and you have... A betting line that you would like to see that we talk about a little bit, and you don't have that ability, let me know. I'll tweet for you. I'll be that guy. I'll be on the front lines trying to fight this fight because really, that's one of the reasons why I kind of started the podcast was to try to get more eyes on gambling on NASCAR. So I'll be vocal. I'll do it for you. If you don't have Twitter or whatever, just let me know. I'm more active on Instagram. So if you hit me on a message on there, just let me know what state you're in. And I can bitch and moan to these sports books um, because clearly the path forward is through them. And it seems like the states don't really care too much about NASCAR. They're kind of letting it go. And I love our breakdown of the episodes each week, right? we got winners. We've got, you know, top tens and and head-to-head matchups. Those are all great, but it will be fun as more bets become available to us through NASCAR to talk about because not that it's stale week to week, but it is fun when you see something new. And that's really what we're talking about here. So I'm going to start doing that this week. And hopefully down the road, we see some changes and more and more bets become available because we're just more vocal and we're drawing more attention, more eyes to it from the sports books. And we'll see if that works. So that's the Phil's fired up section. It took me a little bit of a A journey this past week and a half, but it was fun, and hopefully that journey has a second chapter to it, which is a victory down the road. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Hopefully this weekend we have the luck of the Irish with us in Atlanta so we can build up that bankroll because next week we've got the unknown, the Bristol Dirt Race And we also have a special guest lined up, so hopefully that falls into place because you will not want to miss that if it comes together. So remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time for the Bristol Dirt Race.